1: Hello, 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 and welcome, everybody, to the 295th episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. We are powered by 8 bitnet and those sexy legends over at Audio Technica. Get some of their fantastic equipment in and around your ear holes ASAP. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8Bits. And joining me as per tradition here on THC, my podcast, Ride or Die, the Naru to my sonny. You can find her on them socials at Miss Allie Hart. Miss Ally Hart,
0: how the bloody hell are ya? I'm doing doing good. I'm very hydrated.
1: <laughs> I yeah, I've I can confirm that you showed me a new water bottle that holds over three point three liters of water in the one vessel.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty intense. Um, like I don't know how good anyone else is about drinking water, but I'm just terrible at it. It's not enjoyable and the side effects of drinking too much water is an inconvenience. So mm-hmm. um, it's definitely an, an an adult issue that I've been having now. Like as a kid, like I don't think I ever drank water. Like ever.
1: Yeah, I was the same. I, I apart from like maybe in cordial, I wasn't yes. much of a water guy. But nowadays yeah. I like to drink like I like to drink water and I love um you're telling me about the inconveniences to why you don't drink much, and it's it's the whole getting up and refilling your water bottle is the, the yeah, detriment to that's, you.
0: That, that's the issue, right? Like, first first of all, it was just who goes out of their way to drink water. Um, but then it was like, okay, I'll I'll get a decently sized, like a the one I've been drinking out of was like a Trenta uh, Starbucks cup. Mm, um, and that's yeah, that's, that's not too bad. But then it's like I'm sitting at my desk. It's empty. I'm like, I don't want to get up and refill that. Like, (laughs) the kitchen's so far away. (laughs) Kitchen's a distance away, and then you forget. Well, then I forget, and then it's always a big issue. So my husband uh, kind of like met me in the middle. and just gave me this ginormous bottle, and it's worked. It's worked to the full credit. It's actually really, really worked, and I've almost like finished it. So it's it's impressive because
1: it is a big, big water bottle, like 3.3 liters. You were saying, and um. Yeah, if I was to drink three point three, I'd be I'd be peeing every probably half an hour if I met that it's capacity. Bad. So it's it's a fine line, isn't it, where it's like, okay, I've met my hydration quota for the day. And then you have one tiny sip above that, and it's like, all right, now I've got to wee every five seconds.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean I my fitness peak, I'm pretty certain I was living off Coca Cola. So I don't know. I'm not I'm not seeing the results.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Coke diet. One way or the other, you know, yeah. whether you drink it
0: or, you know, mm. anywho.
1: Either way, it gets you going. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of going, we're, we're back here for episode 295 of THG. We've got a usual uh, podcast structure going on. We're going to be talking news reviews and, uh, you know, various pieces around the water cooler rumor mill as far as things that could be happening in the video game and culture universes. But maybe we could start things off because we've both been playing a game courtesy of our friends over at Devolver Digital. They've shared a couple of keys. You've been playing on Steam and I've been playing on the Xbox Series X. And we're talking about the next potential indie hit, I reckon, Uh, you know, I feel this is going to be the, the, uh, the death's door of 2022 made by massive monster, Australian based studio, which is awesome to see another Mm -hmm. Aussie studio having success on the global scale. But obviously we are talking about cult of the lamb, miss Hart. What do you think about this little indie gem?
0: Oh, I'm sure to like anyone that noticed me, no surprise. I'm loving this game. It is equal amounts of cuteness and evil. Um, and it's just it's m- melded really well. Like, I'm not really into like the dungeon. Like, uh, like is is this is this one of those ones where they call it a roguelike or is this yeah. like I yeah I always like never know which was the right term <laughs> to use it. So, I'm not really into that. I've only kind of semi dived into it in the last year, I guess mm-hmm. year year two, and so like that little element for me wasn't you know my draw but working it in with this cult like you know city building i guess element to it and um, managing your cult members and uh, all the resources and such that that's my in so it's managed to uh, get its hooks into me i love it um i like i actually think i dreamt about it last night to like <laughs> wanting to play it again and so it's it's i churned like a solid session of hours of just playing it and i'm adoring it it's so cute and so evil it's brilliant
1: it's it's pretty special so like spoiler free rough synopses of this game is as you play you play the the titular, titular lamb you've been sacrificed by a group of bishops ancient faith and all that in an effort to sort of thwart this big prophecy that uh, is bringing this giant evil warrior to come back and like overthrow the the world um, as it's as it's known, who's known as the one who waits, and um, he actually sort of brings you back to life. After you've been sacrificed to do his bidding in an attempt to actually bring him back to to you know cause all the all the badness and the doom and the gloom, so you're running around as this little lamb and you've got to try and take down four main bosses because each one of these bosses is connected to like this this giant chain that that ties down the one who waits in this sort of limbo esque afterlife. So you're cruising through these procedurally generated uh, dungeons, fighting your way through. Uh, four waves till you can finally get to that that final uh, main boss, take them down hypothetically, unlock the chain, rinse and repeat. But then on the back of that, it's got this super cute like world building sim where you've got this contrast of like roguelike meets Animal Crossing and I'm all for it. Like as you said, Miss Hart, like I think I might've dreamt about this game too last <laughs> night. Like I cannot stop playing it and I love this just crazy contrast of adorable, cute, uh, you know run-of-the-mill sort of creatures that are joining your cult and you know your, your little lamb character is adorable in the world you're building out it's a stunning stunning world like the graphics hat tip to, to massive monster for the graphics because it, it's that adorableness that then gets contrasted by this horrific plague cult ritual sacrifice contrast where you know, all is well and good and you, you're smiling and, and raising this village up and, and, you know, the cult's prosperous. Then it's like, oh, well, it's time to sacrifice someone to, to further elevate the, the amount of sort of um, support that you've got amongst your, your fellow cult members. So then you, you willingly just kill off one of your cute little creatures and then go about your day again. And it's the best, but it makes me so sad doing this because I grow really attached to these little these cult members.
0: I haven't sacrificed anyone and my cult is running fine. <laughs> it's been great. I, I've sacrificed I two. I haven't sacrificed a single person. Um I've had two deaths, but it's because I brought in a senior to live their best life for their senior years. And then one of my um members turned like went old and turned into a senior. And um I, I went down this route where we were not scared of death, where You know, we we accept the afterlife and then we have ceremonies to celebrate people's deaths and everything like that. So it was the most creepy. As anyone else, it's creepy to me. It's cute. But like one of my elderly died and all my little cult members came up and they're all like smiling and like, oh, oh," because they're so accepting of death.
1: It's brilliant. It's it's fantastic. I love it. The coding that they've done with these little cult-based NPCs is phenomenal. Like the way yeah. they interact with each other as, as you build your, your your sort of settlement out, you can put them to work so you can you know get them to to hunt resources, they can pray to build up up your sort of support level which then up upgrades certain tiers and opens up certain buildings that you can then implement into your settlement as well. Mm-hmm. But they all do this. Like you only got to set them, sort of set them up one time, and then they're they're off. Like if your farm needs, you know, if your little crop area needs to be replanted and watered, they'll they'll do that, um, and then you can tear it up where it becomes further um, levels of autonomy on top of that. So it's really great. Like there is a lot of micromanagement to begin with, but once that once that cult area that settlement yeah. really starts to uh, be set up the right way, it just hums along. You don't have to worry about it so much, but. I, I wanted to mention that the um one of my cult members who I had named Mal, because I've been renaming them all as they come in, I'll take whatever their first letter is, because th- their names are like, you know, Malfoy and Harakakrax and all these like, I guess, yeah. like um, exotic names, you could say. And so I'll, <laughs> I'll take that first letter and name them, you know, a humanoid name. But Mal, he was one of my first villagers. And yeah, he sort of went over the threshold last night when I was playing where he was young and nimble. And then all of a sudden I saw him and like, why is he in, in these white robes and walking around with a cane? Oh, and, then he's, no. and then he was old all of a sudden and he's like, yep, I've only got a few days left and all this. And it was really heartbreaking because I'll be talking to this little dude every day and, and giving him a pep talk and having a sermon, obviously, and speaking the good word of the <laughs> one who waits. And like, yeah. it's super cute. Like it's creepy as hell at the same time, but it is so cute. And it's super fun, and I am all for it.
0: I messed up. <laughs> uh, my first follower I named after my husband, so oh, now I'm, no. like, protecting him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, really nervous and really um, anxious about, like, you know, losing him. He hasn't reached elderly status yet, but um, it's been really cute kind of, like, sending him off and doing things and him kind of, like, you know, when you have the your loyal, most loyal follower and they kind of, like, run up to you and go, huh? and like tell you what to do and everything it's really really adorable but now i am realizing that you definitely don't want to name them after you know people or things Mm -hmm. that you care about because you're gonna lose them so yeah
1: yeah that was my you gotta hope to find one of the necklaces the one that sort of slows the aging process down if you can find that chuck it on that oh i didn't realize that the
0: the necklaces had buffs i just gave him a necklace
1: yeah, so check all the necklaces you got because they'll give you certain buffs. There's de-aging, some don't need to sleep, some work harder, some build, boost morale. Oh, gee, so, okay. So, yeah, you, you chuck them around on your villagers. But, uh, yeah, outside of the the crazy, cute, yet horrifying cult world-building aspect of it, there is, yeah, this dungeon crawler roguelike piece over the top where the combat, super simple, but really rewarding, you've got like a a dodge or a roll button and then your your X or your square button or whatever it is on PC is your primary melee ability. And then you've got like a ranged or a spell-based ability. And that's sort of it in an essence, you're just rolling around fighting groups of enemies, uh, casting abilities, working your way through this, this procedurally generated area and then you can at certain areas you can choose your path where it'll be left, right, up, down if it's open. And then you can find yeah. tarot cards that'll add different buffs and multipliers to that run through that dungeon. And then you can find weapons from like a weaponsmith as you go through to change mm-hmm. your weapons as you go through to to ultimately get to to the sub-boss. And then you find various members of just Animal races amongst these dungeons, which you can, um, you know, save and bring back to your cult to then bring them um, up through as a full fledged functioning member of your cult. Have you have you named your cult? Because obviously it gives you an option to change off cult of the lamb.
0: Yeah, the cult of Carazon which is heart <laughs> in Spanish.
1: <laughs> That's great. I just went fancier. with the cult bit. Yours sounds far fancier and cooler than mine, but it's super cool. And the fact that you can customize. That village, you can put decorations in, you can lay paths, so you can really set up how you oh. want this Doom cult to function and look to, I'm, to you know, the umpteenth degree.
0: I'm constantly running out of gold because I'm so focused on my, like, little cult setup that it's like, oh, we're out of gold. I'm like, oh, I have to go through a dungeon again, so... I'm constantly just, like, churning through dungeons and such. But it's good because since my cult is doing well and we hold those sermons and rituals, I get those buffs now in the dungeons mm. where I'm, like, I get better weapons or I start off with better health and stuff like that. So it's, it's good to see that, like, everything kind of links up in that way so you don't neglect one thing for the other. Like, it all kind of like works together in like bettering like your cult experience your cult experience and your dungeon experience as well so but uh, I want to know what did you think of the fishing
1: (laughs) oh yeah like when you when you texted me I wasn't up to the fishing part when you texted me um earlier this week on that and but when you mentioned that I'm like all right I'm in let's go so I've been going back regularly to the little fishing area so outside of your your uh, village or cult area uh, primary hub. There's other hubs that'll open up, which mm-hmm. will either advance the storyline or as Ali just mentioned, there's a there's a grotto that you can go to that ties into some mushroom stuff. And then there's another area that's sort of down along amongst like almost like a lakefront where yeah, you can fish. Yeah, and there's a lighthouse there as well. And, and you can fish and it's awesome. It's a simple little mechanic. It, it's Very not the simple, most yeah. in-depth fishing sim you've ever played, but like to change up the pacing, especially from frantic, frenetic combat in the dungeons and the micromanagement of your, your cult to then just having a little bit of a relax on this, like, waterfront and just whipping a rod out and trying to bring in all these fish to to open up little um, gifts that the other fisherman beside you is happy to, to provide is awesome. Um, I haven't wow. caught all the primary four that he's asking for. He's like, you know, it's very... Unique, he wants a crab, a squid, and a few other sort of more deep sea crustacean-y things. I've only yeah. got two of the four, but I'm, I'm regularly fishing out that hole. Like I'll, I'll catch all the fish, and then there's nothing, so then I'll just go back and then rotate and again, again every couple of days because on a day-night life cycle as well. So
0: yeah,
1: um, your villagers are playing based off that, so they'll go to bed at a night time. You can wake them up and send them to work if you want, but they'll get pretty pissed, and then their uh, cult motivation level, I guess you could say, drops. Yeah. So there is a bit of management there where you've got finite hours in a day to, to get everything done and you can do a sermon every day to keep that cult um, religious following level at its peak. And then you mix in those rituals like you can sacrifice people, you can have feasts, you can dance around a big fire, you can do all kinds of crazy things. I think there's tw- there's over 20
0: there's you can lot, unlock yeah.
1: but I avoid the ones that involve sacrifices now. I only did a sacrifice because the, the big bad boss sort of, mentioned and heavily lent into you need to do that to to raise your following so i followed that in the story i had a
0: follower ask me oh really yeah he's like can you sacrifice me and i'm like no
1: (laughs) but it's it's super cute and like seeing this cult playing out during the day i did have a lot of flashbacks to like midsummer the the ariasta movie where it's so pretty and then there's just this horror lens thrown over the top of it with so much death and vulgarity and heartbreaking situations playing out but it's really fun and I love just that simple mechanic where yeah go to the dungeons kill some stuff get some resources go back improve your improve your flock go back rinse and repeat like it's a really simple loop but in Mm -hmm. the early like in the first few hours of the game I really struggled for the wood and stone resources they were really hard to find and like once I'd exhausted all the area uh, where the establishment, you like your settlement set up, it took me ages to get more timber and, and stone. So, luckily, now I've got like three sort of like stone areas where all they do is farm stone. And then I've got three like lumber yards that they're doing as well. I just
0: well. ran the dungeons again.
1: I had a hard time getting, getting good um, lumber, like on the when it Because you get in the dungeon, it, it gives you sort of three tiers and you can sort of choose your own adventure. It'll have little icons where it's like, for the next one, do you want to go for the resource? Do you want to maybe get a new member? Do you want to fight a boss or a sub-boss yeah. or get a new item? And a lot of the roles I had didn't give me the, the timber or the stone options. It was like, go get some more berries and seeds or My go get the more.
0: i constantly yeah. trying to give me followers and I didn't want them.
1: Yeah, but um. it's great. And the followers are cute. I think I've got... 17 or so 18 maybe Uh,
0: dog no I was too scared I was constantly going to run out of food so I just kept I've kept it at a steady like I think I'm at 10 okay but that's now that that's because I've got farm set up I've got all the other resource mining things set up so I I didn't want (laughs) to shoot too far I also want to give a shout out to the sound design in this game. Um, The characters have a very, I guess you can like possibly refer to it as Simlish, like that kind of like, like almost like a mumbly kind of Mm -hmm. tone. And it's very adorable. Um, It's very, very cute, especially in the setting and what they're they're saying to you, essentially. Um, And um, I also want to point out that the music is great. The music in the game is actually very, very sweet, very cute, um, and really, really, like, sets the tone and the vibe mm-hmm. of the actual overall game. And that's definitely something that really kind of caught me, because you'd be, like, setting up the farms, or you'd be building, or even if you're dungeon crawling, you just the music in the background is super smooth and really, like, really cute and relaxing, so...
1: I love the uh the audio for sort of the more foreboding characters like the bosses and stuff like yeah that that sort of simlish single simlish you mentioned, but it's a little bit deeper in tone, a little bit more ominous when you're meeting yeah. some of the big bads, and it just yeah because it's all you you read the the vocalization that they're they're saying through that simlish um, dialogue, but it still really hits and it can sort of change the tension depending on where you're going and then. Um, the other one where I noticed there was a really cool little and track is when you play Knuckle Bones. So outside <laughs> of fishing, there's another mini game which is you know it's it's a like a gambling. a play on on dice really. Yeah. Uh, I, I won't go into the mechanics, but it's 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 simple but complex in a way where you sort of yeah. gotta have a little bit of strategy. Uh, there's there's four characters that you can sort of verse in the game, and you can yeah you can bet your coins against them to to increase the stakes. But it was just a nice little break from that loop of. Farming, check in with your villagers, praise them, give them a sermon, into a dungeon, back and forth, you know, rinse and repeat. So you could bugger off and do some knuckle bones and things. And it's just a, just a nice little disconnect just for that sort of, you know, 5, 10 minutes of your battle just so you can sort of refresh and then get back into that loop again. But this game is great. Like it is getting reviewed really, really well and playing it through this week, I can totally understand why. Uh, yeah. It's awesome to see... An Aussie studio getting put on the map by this, and it's also to see uh, a development company like Devolver throwing its support behind this. Like having Devolver publish this game is is big time, and it certainly probably helped uh, get this thing out there even more.
0: It's a very Devolver game, though. <laughs> like, Ooh, yeah, Ooh, it makes yeah. a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm I'm really digging it, really digging it, and I haven't finished it yet. I I reckon I'm probably two thirds through. So this weekend I'm I'm aiming to uh, to get it done, and to see how the ending plays out. I have a feeling um, it's probably going to be some type of tragedy at the end, like yeah, with probably, the story. Yeah. I feel poor old poor old lamb that you play as is going to get screwed over in a big way. But uh, it's awesome. I love it. Like you said, the aesthetics are stunning. The soundtrack is great. The combat simple but unforgiving at times there was a couple of i've died a few times where i've been overwhelmed by enemies aoe or just i didn't roll at the right time and and the good thing is uh you you lose a little bit of follower support from a death and some of the resources you've gathered on that run but you can go straight back in there and, and keep rocking and rolling from there so it's it's cool for for you if you want to sort of push the pace and, um, you know, yeah. try and overextend on combat because, yeah, the game doesn't end when you die. It just, uh, yeah, resets as a, as a roguelike does. But I love this, Miss Hart. This has uh, been such a little indie surprise packet for me and uh, it's yeah. got so much polish from from such a, such a new and small studio in comparison to some of these big AAA monsters that are out there, but it stands up against them pretty effortlessly. Like, this game from front to back is just done at such a high standard and shout out to massive monster but I'd, I'd say at least on my side like this is given the it's well above fine it's, it's definitely an 8-bit approved and it's going to be one of oh, my yeah. favorite games of the year
0: 100 it's, it's it's kind of snuck out like i understand the aesthetic is very my thing but i was still a bit skeptical on whether i was going to f- if really enjoy it and it's won me over it's it's fantastic i love it
1: yeah, it's it's so great and and give it a look if you can like it's it's on console, it's on PC. It plays fantastically on both. It looks great as I said, it sounds great and it's just this crazy amalgamation of roguelike and yeah, world builder that just like they they're two very different concepts, but this game makes it work in its Incredible, own unique yeah. way and I, I love it. I'm so happy this game's come out because it's been so fun and so unlike a lot of things I've played this year and it scratched that Animal Crossing itch that went away a long time ago. Like my, my village is in disrepair and probably on <laughs> fire and overrun but uh, my cult area, I, I do kind of wish I could ground zero, like keep all the buildings and just plan it out a little bit better. I, you can edit and I need to try and tweak some of it to to suit more, but one thing that irks me is because it's all little little grids, the paths you can't sort of get smooth like, straight line paths. Straight, no. <laughs> that part <laughs> bothered really irked me. Too. me <laughs> yeah,
0: there we go. Minus one point.
1: <laughs> yeah, but outside of that, this game's fantastic. I've got nothing really ill to say towards it outside of the the path grievance because I was getting into it late last night where i'm like all right, i need to pretty this up and i'm gonna put like uh, cobblestone paths everywhere to just connect all these little hub areas i've built in my um cult a village and then it's like it comes out like as this weird bloody
0: yeah, like, hexagony
1: looking thing in the end of it because of and the then sharp edges
0: yeah you also can't build it in the main area either. it's
1: yeah so you've got dirt that's stuck there and then outside of that you're Pathing whatever and it can't connect directly so that's that's a minor grievance but overall this game's fantastic Mm, i I love it i love it and uh i also see that uh you got around to watching a little old ditty that i watched again as well called prey
0: yeah i finally got to get got to sit down and watch it got my and pizza and it's great like I'm, i'm not gonna dive into it too much um I'm just going to say that I think it did amazingly well for the franchise that I love. Um, I like what they did with it. I like the little Easter eggs and little uh, notes that they did to the previous franchises as well. Um, the um, The cast was brilliant. The main actress, she was fantastic. Um, and um, just the overall environment and setting was, like, gorgeous at times and mm-hmm. um, really, really... Uh, like, set, set an overall tone for, like, the, the combat and hunting and all that sort of stuff that they were trying to establish between, like, these two characters in the story that was kind of happening beyond it. So, um, I loved it. Apparently, they're going to now have it streaming in, um, like, HD, I think, is, like, apparently, like, high definition.
1: Getting that 4K?
0: Maybe. I don't know. That like would be nice. I just saw that was posted um recently, so um might, might need to give it another watch through, but... Loved it. Approved.
1: Yeah, I, um, I'm very happy. Like I re-watched it again with, with Jono last weekend and it hit just as good, maybe better because I sort of knew what was happening and I could focus in on other areas. And it's also now Hulu's most popular debut stream or, or debut streamer in their history. So hopefully maybe they throw Dan Trachtenberg back into the seat for the future and let him make more of these movies. Cause this was really, really well done. And as Ali said, it's just a, a slam dunk. It's, it's a must watch and it's just about the best thing they've done in this universe. Barring the original that just has a bit more of a nostalgia hook for me, this movie probably might be slightly better from just an overall, uh, construction standpoint, but it's right up there as sort of a one, a one B with the original predator. And yeah, shout out to Amber mid thunder. She carries it as Nauru. She's, Phenomenal and Sunny, the the fantastic wonder dog, can do no wrong.
0: Oof, yeah, we yeah, <laughs> we're <all> close there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, jumping back into other things we've been playing, um, a, a game I'm yet to touch it. I want to. It's jumped on Steam, done by Gummy Cat. Uh, talking about Bear and Breakfast, is this uh, also a good uh, itch scratcher? You could say.
0: uh this was very much exactly what I was expecting it to be um actually not exactly but but close enough to um uh just like building resource management collecting a narrative that's connected with it bottom line is you're a bear that gets kind of gets mixed up into uh renovating and running uh breakfast bed and breakfast hotels and everything like that and um it's very sweet it's very cute um I, I like the little narrative and all the characters that you kind of ha- deal with in the game. And then um, the game, unfortunately, just like uh, hit some hurdles when it comes to like design and um, uh, like unlocking. Mm-hmm. I constantly found myself getting hit like with into like walls because I was progressing further than the story. And so I was kind of getting stuck and like waiting for like things to progress, so then I could unlock the next thing. Um, and there was a bit of traversal issues where I felt like it was quite a drag even though they have like a bus stop system so you can kind of jump between like certain areas of the map but overall it kind of felt like it took a bit of a long time but it's just a very very sweet game um i think uh, i think if any person that like kind of watched the trailer for bear and breakfast and said that looks adorable it looks like it's for me chances are it probably was um anyone else that's kind of into like like little builder games little decorative like like you know, like I don't even think decorating's too much into it, but like it's pretty much builder games. You might like it. Um, I've had to now put it on the shelf because of uh Cult of the Lamb, but lucky <laughs> for me, it's kind of the same kind of idea, um, just with fighting. Um, but yeah, Bear and Breakfast, absolutely adorable.
1: Yeah, it's it's on my Steam wish list, and I will get to it. But uh, yeah, Cult of the Lamb is certainly uh, taking my priority at the moment, and um, it's been great this week uh before that i dabbled this is going back i think to the back end of maybe just before we recorded thg 294 and i wanted to just highlight that uh that i was playing multiverses with benny which is the new brawler in that same um realm as super smash brothers but with the the warner brothers roster Mm -hmm. uh this is pretty heckin fun like we were just playing the 2v2 mode the the um you know, they've got other options coming out in the near future as far as modes that you could say. But, yeah, this 2v2 mode, Ben and I were, were squatted up together. I was playing as Harley Quinn, and, and he was playing as Taz or Superman. And I think we went like 10-1 and 1 against um, real people that night. Like, we were sort of, uh, you know, popping heads pretty regularly. We had a nice little synergy going. And if, if you've played Smash Brothers, you'll know what Multiverses is about. It's It's free to play. Uh, there's there's a very unique, distinctive cast of characters. Like you could play everyone from Shaggy from Scooby Doo to Arya Stark from Game of Thrones to yeah, that's Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn and uh, you know um, Finn from Adventure Time and Morty's coming from Rick and Morty in a week and like it's it's a weird mix but it somehow works on screen and the combat's <laughs> tight but also unforgiving and it was fun. Like I, I was enjoying my time with. it. Is this a game? That you'd uh, you'd give a crack to, Miss Up? No, no, okay, no,
0: no. I, I I barely play um like Super Smash Brothers as it is, um. So just diving into something else, it's pretty similar, just different characters. I don't see it kind of like grabbing me. Yeah, fair that much So, but I mean, it looks cool, and it's good to have an alternative with all these range of characters. Um, uh, and it's just funny seeing uh Shaggy kind of reaches ultimate form um which is hilarious
1: yeah it's 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 fun and and quirky and humorous and violent and yeah it's just just cool and the fact you can jump on it's cross play so you can play with playstation and xbox and pc all, all having a good time together and as is tradition with these games, they'll make their money back through season passes and skins and emotes and all that kind of stuff. But it was yeah. it was nice. I'll, I'll sort of dabble once in a while when someone might message and say, hey, do you want to jump on and have a few rounds? We're like, yeah, cool. But it's not going to be sort of at the forefront of my gaming rotation. And um, last thing I want to super quickly touch on, I won't go into massive specifics here, but uh, The Sandman is out on Netflix. It came out uh, about... Eight days ago now, if, if my maths right, is correct. Yeah. We're recording on the 13th of September. And it is phenomenal. I'm such a fan of the original graphic novels by Neil Gaiman. And this is almost a carbon copy from panel to screen um, interpretation. Like, it's one of the best adaptations I've seen taking a, a comic and translating it to the small or the big screen. Uh, the, the premise, in a very rough, condensed nutshell, <laughs> is... Um, it's focusing on, like it, it's set in sort of a, a modern day fantasy world where um, there's, there's gods and it's focusing on uh, one in particular known as the Dream or Morpheus. And he's part of the Endless, which is a group of gods that encompasses like Dream, Death, Desire, um, and a few others. And he's been captured for a hundred years. So his sort of uh, kingdom is in disrepair and half the people that were following have buggered off because he controls dreams and nightmares and they're all actually like sentient beings. So by the time he finally escapes after being captive for a hundred years, he's trying to get his kingdom back to normal. But because no one's been in charge of the dreamscape for so long, people have, some people have just been in like endless sleeps for decades. Uh, Nightmares are actually in, in like, like real life murdering people and sort of persuading people and, and, taking mind control, and it's it's really cool, and it's it's just a fever dream of a show. It, it is a bit of a slow pace. It's more of a visual spectacle than anything, like some of the areas that he goes to, whether it be um, his kingdom or he goes down into hell and sort of dealing with Lucifer and the demons and, and stuff like that down there or just yeah. on Earth. Like, it is stunning. It's one of the best-looking things I've seen on TV, and it's so pretty... And so well paced and the 10 episodes, each episode can kind of almost act as its own thing, but it interconnects to the broader story. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's some of my favourite storytelling of this year and to see Neil Gaiman done right after he got done so dirty with American Gods, uh, it's it's a breath of fresh air. Like he was so heavily involved in the development of this show and you can yeah. see it like it is just yeah, straight from page to screen. And it's so pretty, Miss Hart, and it's stunning and it's emotional and I can't speak highly enough of it. And I hope it gets a second season like because this this show has the potential to go for like five to ten seasons easily. Like It is a very deep history with the Sandman and where they could take this concept, but Netflix be ruthless. So I'm curious to see what happens with it. But go check out the first season because it's some of my favorite television of the year. Yeah,
0: I, I probably will get around to this one. Hopefully it's not that slow though, or it will lose me. So I'll yeah. I'll give it a try.
1: Yeah. It's just so pretty. And like it's it's not it's not slow. Uh, one thing I will say, like it's not a spoiler, but there is a serial killer convention in it. That's all I'll say, because I know you like that kinda kinda thing. Yep. And um yep. it's very interesting how they make that work. Um and and it's from from the graphic novels, but Seeing this played out on screen, it's it's really, really freaking cool. And some of the creatures and the special effects, whether it be practical or CGI, as far as some of the makeup work on, on some of these characters is really, really, really well done. And the cast is great. So check it out, please. Check it out. Let me know. All right, quick bit of housekeeping. Obviously, if you want to look after us monetarily, you can do so over at ko-fi.com forward slash weare8bit from the low, low price of $1 per month to get you exclusive access to content, giveaways, and swagger. If you want to get some additional swag, you can head over to shop8bit.net and get yourself the best in pop culture and gaming-related merchandise. We're talking tees, hats, hoodies, and everything else in between at shop8bit.net. But let's jump into some news. This week's news headlines... And the first little quick hitter, Forspoken last made headlines when its release date was pushed back from the 11th of October this year to 24th of January of 2023. But fear not, listeners, it is back again, though this time for a more lighthearted reason. A trailer posted on Forspoken's Twitter account this week has raised eyebrows. It's meant to tell us more about the setting of the game and lead character Frey Holland. Instead, what it manages to do is fill you up with cringe thanks to the dialogue spoken over some bits of the gameplay cut together. It's been dunked on far and wide, and if you don't understand, take a listen for yourself. So one sec, I'll just uh, play this. Have you watched this trailer, Miss Hart? I have. (laughs) All right, well, I'm just going to play it through. I'm going to drop this audio in here so we can... uh, listen to this 30 second snippet regarding Forspoken. it is uh it is interesting listeners strap on in so let me get this straight i'm somewhere that's not what i would call earth i'm seeing freaking dragons and oh yeah i'm talking to a cop
0: yeah okay that is something i do now i do magic Hell jacked up, beats, I'll
1: probably fly next. Forspoken. That is something I do now. Like it is, uh, it it is cheese to the umpteenth degree. Like, and then the parodies that have come off the back of that, where they've played on this oh. with like um, Bloodborne and the Tony, Tony, the Tony Hawk, Hawk one,
0: one. Yeah, was genius.
1: <laughs> Were they so spoken word of the lyrics from Superman <laughs> by Goldfinger? Doing
0: everything that I can. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like, cause I, I didn't know, like I heard about it being memed first and I'm like, why, what? how bad was it? Like, and then I realized, I'm like, oh God. Yeah. Like, how bad does a trailer have to be to be like instantly memed by the internet? And um, yeah, well that, that's, that's the, that's a benchmark. I still am unsure about this damn game. Mm-hmm. Um, it still has no appeal factor to me and it's just getting worse. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's um the the tone it's it's weird like like as i said it's it's got that it's taking the, the isekai flavor from anime where someone from normal modern civilization is transported into a, a fantasy world yeah. and is is playing the hero you could say. But yeah, i don't know what square are doing with the tone of this thing because you know that that just little 30 second bite we just had there it doesn't sell me at all in the game. Like the game looks pretty and it looks like it could be fun to play, but if that's the dialogue for like 20 hours worth, like sheesh, it would be tough. It would be tough to not get frustrated hearing that Joss Whedon-esque <laughs> bloody vocals and, and scripting for, for 20 hours. So, so we'll see. But yeah, as you said, the the best thing that's come off the back of this is, is the meme-worthy parodies that they're doing because they are piss funny and... I can't wait to see more of them. Until it gets done to death, then we're sick of them. But, we're sick
0: of them, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to think about this. Like, this is a A PlayStation exclusive coming out in January, and it's getting more and more divisive as it shows more updates. Like,
0: yeah. that
1: that whole little monologue there by Frey, when she's like, you know, and I, and I talk to a freaking cuff. Like, it's like, oh, my God, kill me now. But will I play it day one? You're damn right I will because I'm a sucker of a punishment either way. And <sighs> maybe it's going to be surprising. <laughs> <laughs> but with every trailer they release, I get more and more or less and less excited to play this game. Yep. Something else we've got to wait a little bit longer for. Uh, we've had overnight, Portkey Games has announced that Hogwarts Legacy will, in fact, be released on February the 10th of 2023. This Julia Downs date posted to Twitter overnight means that Hogwarts Legacy has been pushed back by several weeks. Well we're never given a concrete release date, the original, uh, the original plan was to release in holiday of 2022. I'm lukewarm on this. Like, will yeah. I play this day one as well? Probably, or, or at least around release time. Yeah, just to see, because it does look interesting, but... Uh, you know, a bit of the, the shine has been certainly removed from uh, Harry course, Potter yeah. over the years due to uh, the creator being a bit of an ass hat or a lot of an ass hat. But uh, yeah, February 10th now, 2023 for yeah. Hogwarts oh, Legacy.
0: Wait, February again? Yeah. February's is now, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got plenty mm. of games coming out in that sort of Q1 cycle of 2023. So we're going to have to sort of pick and choose our battles. Yeah maybe we need to put all these games into a sorting hat and see uh, which ones it would allow us to play. Nice. I try. Tip, I
0: tip my hat off to that one.
1: <laughs> all right. The next uh, one on the on the front, because uh, we've titled this section is, yeah, the delay block because we've got games slipping and sliding, you know, no matter where we turn due to the state of the world, which is understandable. Yep. Like we're, we're not, uh, yeah, poo-pooing any, any issue with these delays. We're just convey the news and it's a bit of a lean news week so it's a uh, delay time okay so the upcoming victorian style fantasy game nightingale has also been delayed a statement from developer inflection games posted to twitter as well re- revealed that nightingale had been delayed until early 2023 in order to upgrade to unreal engine 5 unfortunately no specific release date has yet been set and then the yeah, the official quote read, We've made the difficult decision to delay Nightingale's early access release of the first half of 2023. We'll have more news on specific timing at a later stage. So this game, we talked about this as a title of interest. This is the one where yeah. they're going through a lot of like the the, the various ports to going yeah. into different universes and
0: building and collecting resources and it has like a Victorian steampunk? Like, I don't know. It had a very unique vibe and style mm. towards it. So, um, I like, like I to be honest, I wouldn't have been able to tell you when I was expecting the game to come out, so this isn't too shocking for me. Um, but it's good to see that they're doing it in order to get the upgrade to Unreal 5, um, yeah. Unreal Engine 5, because um, a lot of content that we've seen come out um, where people are kind of showing off Unreal Engine 5, it's looking pretty so um hey if it's gonna make this game that already had me um based on its appearance um if they're gonna just make it even prettier i'll wait
1: i'm I'm with you like the the trailer and the gameplay slice that they've shared over the last 12 months for this game already looked stunning and very interesting and if they can make this thing sing even better with unreal engine 5 yeah take take your time inflection like uh As it is, the back end of this year and then it's early next year. It looks like it's going to be a pretty bloated release schedule. So if you can let this thing cook and marinate for a little longer to land in a bit of a safer spot to get the (laughs) coverage it needs to, awesome, be our guests. Mm. All right, the next star delay. Uh, Dotomo and Leakier Studio have announced that Metal Slug Tactics has been delayed to 2023 as well. Marco, Iro, Fio, and Tama are tinkering away to make Metal Slug's tactics as explosive as possible on release, but the squad needs a bit more time in the shop to prepare for the battles ahead, the publisher said in a statement on Twitter. We'll see you in 2023. So uh, it looks like a lot of these Q4 games are just getting slid into 2023 just to be safe, and then they'll circle back with firm release dates.
0: This Metal Slug tactics, though, like hasn't wasn't this meant to be released in the middle of the year or like so. earlier so. this year? And I believe that the, the, the comment on why it didn't get released was obviously due to like the climate of what like what was happening, um, across the pond, like Ukraine and such. Mm. So I thought that they, that was why they didn't release it. But now they're suggesting that the game's just not ready. Yeah. That could was be a bit of both, Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe, um, But, yeah, I guess, like, there's a lot of people that are waiting for this um, Metal Slug Tactics. It's a very, very popular game. It seems to have, like, a bit of a uh, niche fandom, but they've been waiting for it for quite some time now. It just keeps getting pushed back, so...
1: Yeah, to to bring that traditional sort of side-scroller platformer that Metal Slug has been known uh, as since the back end of the 80s into the early 90s, and then, like, melding it with that tactics genre is... It's specific, but there, there is fans out there that would go mad for it. Like, I know old Turbo Kerbo, Reese Kirby, would be uh, sweating for this game because he loves good tactics. And, uh, yeah, sadly, it's just going to have to wait a little longer because uh, this has now been punted into 2023 as well. And then the last one, as far as delays, this has been a multi-delay game over the past 12 months, it feels like. And in uh, this week's t- Take-Two earnings results, the publisher has since revealed that it has moved back the launch of Midnight Suns again to ensure the teams at FireAxis Games and 2K delivered the best possible experience for our fans. It's expected to arrive later this fiscal year, which for Take-Two means sometime before March of 2023, but we don't have a specific date yet. So this was, I think, originally like mid this year and then it was October. And now we're That's looking right, at yeah. in that first quarter um echelon now where we've just announced a ton of other games have been moved to already like it is uh it is busy for us wonder, gamers in q1 i wonder
0: how they choose these dates because it just seems like a good chunk of them just choose february i don't know if it's like a financial thing i don't know if it's like something to do with game development or, or why they do it but um it, it it definitely makes us gamers sweat a little bit on what games we've got to wait for, and then what games we're gonna to have to pick and choose upon release date.
1: So it makes it tough. Like I think I think you nailed it there. I think a lot of this probably ties into that uh, that financial end of year cutoff where they can get mm. that final bump and that final dash to the finish line. To to get as much bloat as they can as far as their 12-month their 12 year twelve earning statement there to see, oh, look at, look at this big spike. Look at the way we're trending now as we move yeah. into the next financial year. So we'll see. Obviously, Take-Two and 2K, they are big, big giants, and they know what they're doing. But we'll see what happens with that uh, tactics-based game as well. Uh, the next bit of news, uh, Bandai Namco has just shared a glimpse of an upcoming Tekken project on stage at EVO 2022 after the Tekken 7 Grand Finals. Bandai Namco shared a trailer for its next Tekken 7 update. At the conclusion of the trailer, they showed the iconic Tekken cutscene of Kazuya Mishima throwing his father Hihashi off a cliff. Nice. At the point where the, when the cutscene zooms in on Kazuya's face, it instantly swaps from 1994's PlayStation version of Kazuya to a very modern-looking version of the character. Get Ready then appears on the screen before the trailer fades to black. Series director Katsuhiro Harada briefly showed up on the official Evo stream, but didn't elaborate at all on the tease. While we don't know for sure just yet, it's probably safe to assume that this teaser is pointing towards Tekken 8. However, the teaser explicitly used footage from the original Tekken, so there's no chance it could be... Oh, so there's chance it could be a remake or reboot of the series as well. There's nothing official from Bandai Namco just yet on what the project is, so we'll just have to wait and see. This made the internet pop. Like this it was really like did. literally a few seconds worth of trailer at the back end of this 1994 homage. And the internet just went, well, let's go Tekken 8. Let's get it. Are you excited?
0: Uh, I'm not a big Tekken fan. Um, I've like only dabbled and knows only so much in regards to the Tekken universe. Um, I'm actually more impressed about uh, Evo. Uh, Evo had a, I think, had an incredible like turnout and streams, like uh, stream viewership. And I, I definitely saw my feed like really flooded with content and people talking about it more so than I've ever seen, which is great. I that's definitely um, an area that um, deserves more highlighting. Uh, I'm just more impressed that Evo got the opportunity to kind of drop these like drop this content. There was a, another thing that they actually announced too but Evo, but I've completely skipped my mind. I think it's like an arcade thing. So, um, excuse me for forgetting. But I like it's it's good to see that they got the exclusivity to um drop this, drop this little snippet, this little trailer.
1: Hmm. And it, and all it like it set the world on fire. Like everyone's like, oh my god, we're finally getting a new Tekken game. Let's go. The the Looks Mishima good. family has been uh, forever attached to this franchise, and it's still going to continue moving forward. And it, it feels very much like whether it be called Tekken Eight or whether it be just a reset, it's just called Tekken again. I don't know, but Tekken it feels again. like we've got a new uh, a new Tekken on the way. And yeah, the the fighting community be going crazy. Like like as you mentioned, Evo. Like I'm not a big fighting game guy. But no. sort of when Evo comes around and you see all the the clips of the the battles that these you know best in the world players are having across so many different games, and just watching the skill that they have um, in in these fights and just knowing how every character plays and how to combat the character they're versing and and all that kind of stuff, it's a testament to these these professional players. Like I love seeing the highlight clips of the the championship matches and you know they've got like two millimeters of health left and it's like one hit and they're dead and they somehow manage to like come back and, and win like there's like these real life rocky moments going on in these games on the regular and it's just awesome to see and it just makes me as a casual fighting fan feel very bad about myself because I know I'd never get to anywhere near that level and <laughs> I just get whooped playing online but uh it's it's awesome just live through those highlights on social media
0: yeah, my button mashing skills are not going to get me anywhere.
1: <laughs> my button mashing skills worked in uh, multiverses though. Uh yeah, career record of 10 and 1 so far. There Come at go. me world. I'll see you at Evo 2023. Evo next yeah. <laughs> All right, the next bit of news, uh everything announced at the THQ Nordic Digital Showcase. So, uh we had a showcase on over the last how what, 12 hours? 24 yeah. hours? It was re- like it was in the last day or so.
0: Yeah, definitely and, last day.
1: Um, I'll just sort of go through the hit list because this this showcase, it wasn't a huge needle mover for either of us. I think we can no. probably both agree on. So I'll rattle off everything that they've covered, and then we'll sort of circle back to the, the main point. I think that's a bit of a bit of a checkbox uh, moment for us. And so we got we got some showcasing of Tempest Rising, Recreation, Space for Sale, Destroy All Humans Two, Reprobed the remake of Gothic, Jagged Alliance 3, Outcast 2 Story, uh, Knights of Honor 2, SpongeBob SquarePants, The Cosmic Shape, The Valiant, and Way of the Hunter. But the big, big, big announcement that we can take away from this digital showcase is we've got a new Alone in the Dark game that has been announced, and it's going to be a brand new Alone in the Dark game, you know, Following that same survival horror DNA, it's being developed by Pieces Interactive and the writer of Amnesia, The Dark Descent, and Soma, Alone in the Dark, is going to be a love letter to the original, telling a brand new story in this southern gothic horror universe. So uh, let's get it. Like Alone in the Dark has been, you know, obviously the first game came out in 1992, way back when on the PC. So this is a franchise that's been around for 30 years. And we're, yeah. we're getting a new iteration, a new entry into that universe. Let's go. I'm in. You in?
0: Yeah, definitely. Alone in the Dark, I think, is probably one of the first kind of of the scarier franchises that I actually played. Um, and it scared the crap out of me. I was probably a little too young to play it. Um, but uh, I, I'm going back to last week when I said that like uh, one of our hopes for predictions like to come up, I said Silent Hill. I'm going to be fully honest. I was going to say alone in the dark, but I'm like, eh, like it's such a very, like to me, it's very niche. I don't really hear a lot of people talk about alone in the dark. And now to get, just to get that announcement, I was like, I should have said it. I should have said it. I would have looked great. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 I, I look forward to see what they do with it. I hope they do well. Like, having a writer from Amnesia and SOMA attached to it is probably uh, heading in the right direction. Um, and like, like I always say, like let's keep flooding the uh, horror video game uh, sector because uh, it's fun. It's good to watch, mm-hmm. especially when done yeah. well.
1: And, and the original, like um, it's uh, in the Guinness World Records because it was awarded the first ever 3D survival horror game. So it was the first ever 3D survival horror game ever was made it? way back in 1992. Yeah, it was one of the first games to use uh, like polygon-based characters yeah, over pre-rendered did. backgrounds. And yeah, I played it in the early 90s as well. And I was you know probably seven or so when I might have played it. And yeah, it was pretty goddamn freaky for a kiddo playing this on my friend's PC because we didn't have a PC growing up in the house. But it was nice to experience this and get a little scared. I've jumped in over the years uh the the most recent one i remember is um a new nightmare came out on like playstation playstation 2 and then in 2008 i remember playing the i guess the sort of the soft reboot of alone in the dark on the xbox 360 and it was not very good so hopefully this can be a bit of a return to form and uh capture some of that magic from the originals in the early 90s
0: oh i forgot they made a movie is that linked
1: I think so. I I never watched it. I heard it's really bad.
0: Yeah, I think I heard it was really bad, so I kind of stayed away from it. Um but fingers crossed. I mean, I wonder if it's if they if they're going to be able to find an angle to keep it scary, keep it original. Um so it doesn't, you know, for people who aren't familiar with the franchise don't see it as them kind of Resident Eviling or, you know, whatever. So, um I look forward to hearing more.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm keen for it. Uh yeah, there's been not a ton of, ton of news. Hopefully we get a, a nice deep dive and some gameplay slice in the next coming months, like leading up to holiday, because it's slated for next year. Like the box art and things like that's already released. So I think this is pretty far down the development cycle. And no. just just be good. Please be good. That would be lovely. Yes. Mm, Alone <laughs> in the Dark, one of the OGs, one of the, yeah. uh, the pillars of survival horror and a Guinness World Record holder. I didn't know that.
0: I didn't know it was the first one. That's Mm. crazy.
1: Yeah. I'd love to have a Guinness World Record one day. Just for something, even if it's dumb and pointless, just be cool to be in one of those books for one year at least.
0: Was that Paramore music video where they just did a bunch of bullshit things?
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Shout out to Hayley Williams. All right. The last bit of news here. Uh, I've titled this one, Sony doesn't want to share with Microsoft. So, in a lengthy document submitted to the Brazilian government as part of its investigation into Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard, Microsoft has claimed Sony pays developers, in quotes, blocking rights to prevent games from appearing on Xbox Game Pass. The accusation appears in a 27 page rebuttal of Sony's recent objections to Microsoft's Activision Blizzard's buyout made to Brazilian Administrative Council for Economic Defense, aka CADE or CADE, as part of its investigation. Much of Sony's argument had focus on Call of Duty, which it claimed had no rival and was so popular that, inf- that it influences users' choice of console, with the PlayStation maker suggesting, among other things, that the inclusion of Call of Duty on Microsoft's Game Pass service would hamper its ability to compete. Microsoft's response is as wide-ranging as Sony's initial objections, touching on everything from the fact it had previously managed to grow Game Pass without Activision Blizzard's titles, suggesting Call of Duty mightn't be quite as essential as Sony's claims, to read an iteration of its assurances that it won't be making Call of Duty an Xbox console exclusive. Microsoft says Sony's concerns are incoherent given that by virtue of PlayStation's dominant market share, the company is a leader in the distribution of digital games, especially when, as Microsoft claims, Sony has actively hampered the growth of Game Pass by paying for blocking rights to prevent developers from adding content to Game Pass and other competing subscription services. Ultimately, argues Ultimately argues Microsoft Sony's fear isn't that the acquisition will hamper its ability to compete but that the Game Pass business model of delivering high-quality content at low cost to players will threaten a market leadership forged from a device-centric strategy and focused on exclusivity expect more back and forth as the acquisition comes under further scrutiny uh, under further scrutiny uh, under further scrutiny from other countries ahead of any regulatory approval Assuming Microsoft's Activision Blizzard buyout doesn't fall foul of regulators, the process is anticipated to to conclude by next US summer. So damn, 27-page document going through the uh, Brazilian Council for Economic Defense. Mm. Uh, Bit of mudslinging going on there where Sony is saying they can't have this acquisition because grabbing a tentpole title like Call of Duty... And chucking it specifically on Xbox only is going to be detrimental to the gaming community. And then Microsoft saying, Sony, you idiots, you've been paying studios for years and blocking them from jumping on Game Pass. But also in that, that little snippet of them saying that Call of Duty will not be an Xbox exclusive. And there's since been further information that has fed out on that where they're saying the game would not be anywhere near as profitable if they just went, it's just on Xbox because they know... Call of Duty exists on PC and PlayStation, they wouldn't want to hamper yeah. that existing player base and, uh, you know, siphon away the potential revenue that comes from that. So, Miss exactly. Hart, the, uh, the big boys are throwing their toys around the cot and it's interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, I'm very curious about the terminology of blocking rights and paying um, studios to not go. Like, I understand that, like, like, like if they're paying for a studio to like not go on Game Pass I guess it might benefit them like a, a person a, a studio or developer or whatever would weigh up their options to see what would be the better you know what would be better for them but then what's the difference between just making things you know console exclusive then you know blocking rights like I mean tomato tomato like I definitely think Sony's punching here in regards to Call of Duty I think it makes sense for me for Microsoft to say like, why would we make it exclusive? We'd be missing out on money. Mm-hmm. Um, but it probably is Sony kind of trying to like dig their fingers in to prevent maybe something further down the line that they're worried about, um, and they're just taking advantage of this moment right now to kind of nip it in the bud, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I just hate that this kind of back and forth and bickering just creates more of the crap of console wars and all that sort of business so
1: yeah it's um it's not going to be the last time we hit, we see things like this play out in a in a legal matter or in a public forum like uh like this but it's it's funny because Sony have constantly paid up to Activision Blizzard to get additional exclusives and early access to betas for Call of Duty for years yeah. now like there's so many things that you can get through Sony that you can't get on the other platforms when it comes to COD. And I guess with this acquisition occurring, things like that would go away. So they're, they're losing their their cherry on top of the Sunday. But like, yeah, Sony is still the kings of gaming. You know, the, you look at the, the ecosystem they, they've got, you look at the footprint they've got as far as consoles sold out, their player yeah. base is still top of the pops. And yeah, like they're fearful of losing some of that due to, games making their way to game pass, but Sony is starting to sort of pivot that way in a little way with how they've started to now silo off uh, PlayStation Plus, And they've got the tiered levels of that and they'll, they'll lean more into their cloud streaming services and things. So they're making steps and inroads to try and combat game pass as best as they can. But yeah, them paying indie studios, I guess you could say primarily or, or studios in general, um, a specific fee to say no you're not going to agree to be on game pass is now it's it's a little bit it's very anti-consumer and like i know they want to maintain that stranglehold on being the the kings and queens of the gaming industry but like don't don't gatekeep games like that like if this studio could find more success like an indie studio that can put their game onto Game Pass and get access to millions of players that might not see this game or experience this game. It could mean the success or the closure of a studio in a few years if this game doesn't get the sales out that it's hoping for. So just just be better, everybody. Xbox, Sony, whoever, doesn't matter, just just play nice. Plenty of exactly. plenty of gamers out there for everybody. <laughs>
0: exactly. Too many, some would say.
1: Yeah too many but uh it's funny like yeah cod is the 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 game that has no rival to a degree but like call of duty sales year on year is sort of flat or declining depending on um on the title and we're seeing other games make their way up and a lot of these games of service or these live games you know you're seeing apex and we're seeing Fortnite and these other shooters having continued success i guess Mm. it doesn't have a rival when you compare it to battlefield because battlefield these days sucks but uh, maybe yeah. it'll come back and have a resurgence and excuse me, rival Call of Duty once more. Maybe, I don't know. All right, that moves into this part of the podcast. Tweet of the week. And the game I just mentioned there as a throwaway um, ties into this tweet and it's via at alphaintel.com. And uh, the the Twitter handle is known for Apex Legends news, and so Apex Legends has hit a new all-time peak player count on Steam after the launch of Season 14, with over half a million concurrent players for the first time ever. And obviously that's Steam only; that's not encompassing the Xbox, Sony, Nintendo, Nintendo Switch, Switch players. <laughs> 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 but this game, going from strength to strength. I've been playing a little bit of Season 14 this week we've gone back to king's canyon with some slight changes and reimagining of that uh of that arena. Yeah. And it's so good. This game's so tight and fun and punishing and it's my favorite BR, but going from the more casual slower approach of Fortnite, which I adore these days too. Not not trying to throw Fortnite in the bin after talking highly of it for months, but it's yeah. been fun to go from from first gear to fifth gear again as far as the speed and pacing yeah. of these games. Yeah. But yeah, Apex Legends still kicking goals for EA and Respawn.
0: Yeah, like I mean um the recent competitions, the Apex Leagues have been uh, pretty good, been popping off and it probably also helps that um Apex been getting a little bit of a push from uh Post Malone playing it on the regularly and uh, streaming as well, so uh, it's a good way to get uh, new eyes on a game and, you know, increase its popularity so mm-hmm. Apex is fun, Apex is great. Um, I haven't played it in a while uh, Fortnite has um, got, still got its claws in me when it comes to um, Battle Royale uh, but I guess I'll make a return. They're adding a lot of new stuff in, like new characters and other kind of game modes and such, aren't they? So, I and, might and have to they've wait really till that tweaked settles.
1: a lot of the weapons. Like they've shifted certain guns into different uh, ammo classes now, and moved uh, guns oh. that were only in uh, care packages only back into the rotation and. It's really cool, and the new the new hero uh, Vantage, she's really fun to play, and yeah. it's just it's just awesome. But at the same time, I want to jump back into a bit of Fortnite this weekend, and test out all the goddamn Marvel skins that I wasted a lot of money on this week because the store got me good, Miss Hart. It got didn't me so good this week.
0: Didn't get me that great. Uh, uh, yeah some of them are right some of them aren't great I thought I was expecting other ones but uh, you know a penny saved is you know much better than you know penny spent
1: that is true (laughs) and I spent many a penny but uh, you know what no regrets All right, Uh, if you don't want to wait until uh, January February of next year to play the fantastic game known as Forspoken or the other games you mentioned don't worry we got you all covered new releases and events. As far as new podcasts dropping this week, we will have the next episode of Cocktail Club, uh, Benny's 8-Bit Cast offshoot, and that is going to be starring Australia's John Peck. So they're going to be riffing about a ton of things. Um, very excited to see what they get up to there as they sip on a delicious cocktail. Uh, Things making their way to the small screen or the streamers this week. Uh, We've got South Park, the 25th anniversary concert. She-Hulk Attorney at Law is already upon us, Miss Hart. Another Disney Plus Marvel streamer.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Came out
1: of nowhere. I'm excited to watch it. Let's see how that goes this week. I've also got uh, season three of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and part two of the Cuphead show making their way to Netflix as well. Okay. Uh, any? You excited for She Hulk? You excited for South Park? Anything on there?
0: Um, actually, I might have to look into the South Park um concert. Like, that sounds great.
1: Twenty <coughs> fifth anniversary. Yeah. I still remember when South Park first sort of came out as a young kid and they had drawing the them religiously, and had the soundtrack that had everybody. I had Devo on there. It had bloody Primus on there, like let's play Claypool from Primus and. Mm-hmm so many songs that soundtrack actually had some bangers on it
0: yeah i always felt like listening to it because i wasn't allowed to watch south park but my friend had it so
1: that's a good little loophole to get around not watching it you can live through that banger of a soundtrack um yeah there's there's some some great songs on there some offensive songs but humorous nonetheless yeah Things making their way to the big screen. Uh, we've got good luck to you, Rio Grande. And then Dragon Ball Z Super Superhero is uh, popping on the big screen as well for any DBZ fans. Mm. No needle movers there for me, but I know uh, a lot of people are keen. I think I think our boy Dane has booked tickets to go check that out in the cinema. Might be going along with Benny. Uh, if not, just enjoy yourselves going to separate sessions. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what I'm talking about right now. As far as games coming out this week, tying into that DBZ love... Uh, Fortnite X Dragon Ball Z kicks off this week as well. So August 16th slash 17th, depending on where you are in the world, you're going to get exclusive Goku-based skins, maybe Vegeta trunks. We don't know the the skins that you're going to be able to roll around with, but it's going to be funny seeing someone like Goku holding a shotgun. It's uh, (laughs) It's going to be very strange, but there's going to be many, many of those skins around. Multiverses releases officially this coming week as well. It's been a sort of timed early access the last few weeks. Blossom Tales 2, The Minotaur Prince comes out, Roller Dome, Kirby's Dream Buffet is already out on the Nintendo Switch this week as well, Uh, Curse to Golf comes out, RPG Time, The Legend of Wright, Thymesia, We Are OFK and Madden NFL 23 all coming out this coming calendar week so plenty of games, plenty of genres, plenty of styles and uh, plenty of things to keep yourself busy.
0: I'm going to have to check out that We Are OFK because that one has definitely intrigued me since I'm um, seeing it in all the events previous. It's a little story-based one about a band trying to make it. And um, I think the people behind the scenes actually do play their music and everything. So Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: It sounds interesting. But yeah, nice diverse offering of, of titles there to, to sink your fingers into. Um, yeah, very curious to see how some of these go. Obviously Madden will sell like no tomorrow as it does every year with its uh, Malibu Stacey with new hat experience that you get. But uh, plenty of stuff to to play, to watch, to listen to there, 8-Bit Nation. That brings us to the official end of THG 295. Miss Hart, anything else you wanted to shout out or mention before we close down for another week?
0: I'm going to shout this out because I don't know how Australians can watch it, but there's a show called 101 Places to Party Before You Before You Die with um, John Gabrus and Adam Pally, uh, two really, really funny dudes. It's a great series of like two funny guys just traveling across America and getting drunk and eating food and just having a great time and just kind of showing you places that, yeah, you should party before you die.
1: That sounds fantastic. Um, I need to check that out because I want to try and live that list as well one day somehow, some way. So uh, 101 Places to Party Before You Die. We'll, uh, if we can determine where we can check that out locally, I'll chuck that into the show notes, but otherwise just Google it and you'll be able to, to hunt that down, whether it be through yeah. YouTube or other means. But 8 nation, that brings us to the end of episode 295. Be sure to rate subscribe us and all the other podcasts to listen to on the regular because they help keep the emotional lights on in our hearts. But until next time, 8 nation. much love.